Philippians 4.10. The Bible says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am, instru- I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I want you to notice in our text that we've just read how Paul speaks about the fluctuating circumstances of life. He says, I've had to learn that whatever state I'm in, whatever condition I find myself in, just to be content. And then he talks about, he elaborates a little bit more on it in verse number 12. He talks about being a base, that's at the bottom, abounding, that's at the top. All things, I can be full, hungry, abound, suffer need. He said, I know how to do both. I know how, how, to, how to operate in both circumstances, in both situations. I don't know if I can say I know how to operate in both. I, I can say I operate better in one than the other. I don't know about you. But how many of you know that fluctuating circumstances, roller coaster Christianity, that's just a part of life, ups and downs. In fact, I thought about calling the message this morning, Carowinds Christianity, amen, because, man, it shows up and down and up and down. That's just how, that's just how life is. And so I want to look at this text this morning, and I want to see how it speaks to us about this subject. And here's what I'll be preaching on this morning, dealing with change. Dealing with change. How to deal with the changes of life. And I I believe there's some great insight. In fact, I believe that's what this text is all about uh, for us this morning. And I want us to draw out some things from the Word of God. And I believe it will help you Christian life today. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're thankful for the privilege that we have just to be in church together. Lord, I'm thankful that I can stand and, and preach the Word of God. And Lord, I'm glad when I hold this Bible in my hand, this King James Bible, I know for a fact that it's all true, it's all right. And we don't have to, we don't have to stand here and correct it. But Lord, I pray that as we sit here, Lord, I pray that it would do the correcting in us. Lord, may it correct us. I pray that... Lord, you would speak to our heart from the Word of God. I pray that you would encourage maybe some discouraged pilgrims in here, some discouraged saints. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would help them, Lord, as they deal with just the ever-changing circumstances of life. It can get tiresome and wearisome. And I pray that you would give us strength. God, be our strength. You said you are the Christ that strengthens us. And I pray that we would look to you today for that help. And if there's somebody that doesn't know you as their Savior, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Touch me as I preach and fill me with the Spirit. Use me for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, as you read through the book of Philippians, it's a letter, right, to the church at Philippi. And one of the things that comes up throughout the letter that Paul, is, uh, that Paul mentions is that he is very thankful for this church. This church at Philippi has a special place in his heart. You see that at the beginning of the letter and then here at the end again. And one of the reasons that he's thankful for this church, not the only reason and probably not even the chief reason, but one of the reasons he is thankful for this church is their support. 
they supported Paul. Think of Paul as the missionary, because that's what he is. Think of the church of Philippi as a local church, because that's what it is. And think of this letter as almost like a mission letter. It's a, it's a, it's a letter that is being written to the church from Paul. And in that letter, just like a missionary would, right? he would thank the church for their financial support. And that's what he's speaking of here in, uh, in verse number 10. It says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. He's talking about how it made him rejoice in the Lord that uh, this church uh, was able to support him. And uh, he's rejoicing in the Lord. I want you to note that. We noted that last week. He rejoiced in the Lord. He wasn't necessarily rejoicing in money. He wasn't rejoicing that his financial status had been bettered, though that is a blessing. But that's not what he was rejoicing in. He was rejoicing in the Lord because he wants to clarify that statement. He wants to clarify that in verse number 11. He says, not that I speak in respect of want. He's saying, I'm not thankful that you sent money because I needed money. I'm thankful that you sent money because, he clarifies it in verse 17, not because I desire a gift, but I want fruit that it may abound to your account. Um, this is a, kind of a clarification of his motives. How many of you know that preachers and money kind of have get a bad rap? Y'all know that? In fact, even Paul was accused. Even in his day, he was accused of all kind of things. He was accused of just uh, you know being a swindler and being a cheat and being a and, and a lot of times in some of these epistles, he has to defend his apostleship. He has to defend his ministry, and it's not necessarily because he's trying to defend himself. It's not because he takes these things personally, but because as the apostle to the Gentiles and the apostle to the church, well, what he wrote was the word of God, and so in essence, when he's defending himself and defending his teaching, he's really defending. God. He's defending the Word of God. But he did have to be on the defense sometimes. Why? Because people would accuse him of things. We've seen a lot of that in our day, all kind of just turn your TV on to one of those religious stations and there's somebody, listen, sow your seed of $77 right here in this ministry and, you know, we'll send you this little hanky right here. Or we'll send you some, you know, a little water. It's right out of the Holy Land. It ain't from the Holy Land. It's out of somebody's garden hose and they just, they'll send you a little vial of water and you just send them. A, and so preachers get up. In fact, most preachers, there used to be a day years ago where Preachers in the community were respected, right? And they were, you know, above reproach and above suspicion. But not these days. Preachers are at the bottom of the totem pole. Community say, oh, you're a pastor. Well, you're just after our money then. You're just after, you know, you just, uh, uh, you just after, uh, uh, you just trying to, you know, live high, you know. But Paul was not, he was not asking for money or he was not collecting money so he could buy his third yacht or his vacation home or his home at the beach. That's not what was on Paul's mind at all. What did he want? He wanted a, he wanted a gift, not because he desired the gift, but verse 17 he tells it, he wants fruit. It's for the ministry. And that's just a part of it, isn't it? The ministry takes money. How many of y'all know that? It does. Listen, these lights don't operate on love. If they did, I wonder, would we have lights? No, I'm just kidding. But uh, they don't operate on, they don't operate just on faith and joy and love and all that. No, we actually have to pay like, a, you know, the, uh, the power company, you know, to keep it on and, and the air. Aren't you thankful for some air conditioning? How many of you are cold? Raise your hand in here. How many of you are hot? Raise your hand. All right, we all swap, all right? And uh, you should be fine. Uh, 
but aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful for all these things that we have? And, and uh, it's a, it takes money, right? Supporting missionaries takes money. And printing tracts takes money. And all kind of things. The work of God. Educating our children. The Christian school. It takes money. Any kind of ministry. It takes money. That's what it is. And, of course, Paul was aware of that. And he was thankful that for whatever reason, at some point, the church wasn't able to send him money. But... Lately, they were able to. Whatever, maybe they didn't have anybody to bring it to him. Maybe they just didn't have the money to send him. Whatever it was, he's thankful that he is able, uh, he is able to have this money. But he wants to clarify, and he, and he wants to let him know that he doesn't need money to be happy. It's not the money that's making him happy. He's happy whether he's broke or rich. He's happy whether he's in prison or whether he's free. He's happy whether he's up or down. Paul knew how to deal with the changes of life. Man, when he was popular or when he was getting run out of town, he was still content. When he had sickness in his body or when he had health in his body, he was content either way. When he had friends and he had co-laborers all around him or whether he uh, uh, was forsaken or whether everybody left him and fled away. He was still content either way. He knew, and that's what he said, verse number 13. He said, I can do all things. I can do it all. I can thrive, not just survive. He said, but I can thrive for the glory and the honor of God in whatever situation I find myself in. And that is something, man, by the good grace of God, I want to learn that. I want to do better in that. I want to be able to thrive because I don't know about you, but it seems like many times I'm just a victim to my circumstance, whatever's going on. Does anybody else feel like that? Man, when things are going good, man, I'm on the top, man. Man, I feel great. We've got a great crowd at church. Man, the offering was up. And man, a good crowd. And somebody got saved. And man, somebody got help. And you know, and man, I just had liberty in preaching or whatever. And things are going well. And man, I'm at the top, man. I'm just like, I'm on cloud 10, you know. And then you let there come, you know, a time and things ain't so great. You know, crowd, everybody's, you know, on vacation. Everybody's home, you know, sick. Or everybody's, you know, whatever and just... You know, and then the offering's a little down, and you know, and then it's tighter than a banjo string while I'm trying to preach, and you know, and nobody, you know, nobody says, well, that was a good message, or you know, even Heather's looking at me funny, like, what was that, you know, this morning? And and I, listen, I don't need anybody to tell. You. I know when it, you know, I know when it floats, and I know when it sinks. All right, I know, and you know. And just, and then, you know, man, you don't even have to open the door. I just walk under the door, you know. I just go, I can just walk right out underneath the door, you know. But, man, I tell you what, if you live your life like that, how many of you know, listen, you're going to be, you're going to be up and down and up and down and up and down. If you're attached, if you're connected to your circumstances, man, when all the cars are working and all the babies are healthy and everybody's in good doctor's report and all that. But, but here's the truth about Here's the truth about life, and you know this to be true. I'm not, te- I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Listen, man, the only thing that stays the same about life is that things don't stay the same. Things change. Listen, if things are rough right now or things are bad right now, listen, just hang on. It'll get better. It's just everything seasons. Life is seasonal. Life is cyclical. It just works that way, doesn't it? If things are really good right now, listen, I hate to bust your bubble, but <laughs> cheer up. It's going to get worse. 
It's going to get bad. Listen, you can't live on the mountain. We don't live in the valley. Listen, this thing is a journey. If you ever go to the hospital and you see somebody that's hooked up to one of those heart monitors, the thing goes up and it goes down and it goes up and it goes down and it goes up. Listen, you don't want flat when things don't change. That's not good. That means you're dead. But when things are up and things are down and up and down and up and down, you know what that means? That means you're living. (laughs) That means it's life. And that's how life was. Paul, listen, Paul had revivals and he's in Ephesus. And man, people are getting saved. They're burning books and they're, they're, they're bringing offerings and all kind of great things are happening. And then what happens? Man, he gets run out of town after that. That's how Paul's ministry was. Listen, he was either having a revival or a riot, one or the other. It was good, and it was when it was good, it was really good, and it was bad, it was really, really bad. And he was being stoned and left for dead. The Jews were always after him. And here he is, when he writes this epistle, he's not writing this from his beach house. He's writing this from the prison house. And he said, I've learned whatsoever state I find myself in just to be content. And life is full of seasons that change. Sometimes you're on the top. Sometimes you're on the bottom. Oh, preacher, I just love He's in heaven now. Man, I miss Brother Willard Thomas so bad. He was never able to come here when I... He got sick right when I come here. I had him scheduled to be here with us. But oh, Brother Willard, write the poems and all that. I love Brother Willard. He always said it like this. He says, sometimes you're the windshield and sometimes you're the bug. Amen. <laughs> And that's right. Sometimes you're the windshield, and sometimes you're the bug. How many of y'all feel like a bug? Amen. Man. Now listen, when I talk about change, I, I want you to let you know, we're not talking about compromising the truth. We're not talking about doctrinal change. We ought not to accept that. Somebody say amen. That's another message for another day. There's some things that never change, and by the good grace of God, they ain't changing. Amen. I'm just talking about the circumstances of life. They change. And your abilities change. How many of you can testify that you can't do everything that you used to do? Some of y'all think you still can, and that's why you're in pain all the time. Your mind's writing checks. Your body can't cash. Your abilities change. Health changes. You get a bad report at the doctor. Some people's their, their personality changes. You get older, you get a little grumpier, don't you? Financial situations change. Popularity changes. Some people, listen, (laughs) don't base your life on whether people like you or not because then people that love you, listen, they might be, uh, uh, they they might be singing Hosanna and and laying out palm branches one Sunday and they might be uh, crucifying you a couple days later, amen. Listen, you're, you're, popularity changes. That's why Brother Dean, I told you this several times, Brother Dean McNeese, when I, he ordained me to preach and when one of the words of advice he gave me, he said, Chris, he said, don't let your fans flatter you and don't let your foes frighten you. And you don't be flattered by the fans and don't be frightened by the foes because I've seen, I've seen people swap categories. Amen. I've seen people that hated my guts and now they love me. Now, that doesn't happen very often. More so, it's the other way around. In fact, I can only think about maybe like two people that fit that category. But on the other side, people that love you, they may not love you later on. 
And if that's what you live for, if that's what you're connected to, if that's what you're plugged into, then guess what? You're subject to somebody else. And a home dynamic changes. Listen, you have children. You know, you get married, it's just... You too, and that's a change in and of itself, isn't it? You got to live with somebody else. You know, before you get married, they can do no wrong. But after you get married, everything they do is wrong. You squeezing the toothpaste from the wrong end. You can't even squeeze the toothpaste right. Man, you know, <laughs> man, the, the, the clothes, the, the basket is right here. Why is your underwear right here? Because I wanted to put it right there. Right? <laughs> it's different living with somebody, ain't it? And then kids come along, and that's different. That'll, that changes everything, doesn't it? And then they go, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> and then the empty nest. And that's different too, isn't it? I tell you, more marriages, they're saying statistics prove that more marriages end when the kids leave the house. You got a husband and wife, they've been taking care of kids, been so busy running around to practice here and, and lessons here and youth things here and all kind of stuff. And then when the kids leave the house, you got a, two strangers, they don't even know each other, and they're staring at each other's face. Who are you? And we hadn't, we hadn't went on a date in 20 years. Man, it's tough. Things change, don't they? What if a spouse dies? What if a, a child dies? Man, the home, I mean, things change. Friends change. Church changes, doesn't it? Now, again, I'm not talking about compromise. I'm not talking about doctrinal. There's some things that never change, but listen, you just look over the crowd. Listen, I've been here nine years, a little over nine years. Listen, this is a different crowd in a lot of ways. Can I tell you something? Five years from now, it'll be a little bit different. Five years from now, from then it'll be a little bit. It's just things change, and I tell you, we we get so we we, we get uh, we get stuck in a rut sometimes, and we 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 make an idol out of nostalgia. And nostalgia, it can be a good thing, man. To look back, memories are good, precious memories. How they linger, praise God for them. And I, I'm glad for memories, and I'm glad for good times. I'm glad for the markers that we can put up in our lives. Say, man, God was good then, and God did something great there. I mean, y'all never forget those things. But at the same time, you make an idol out of those things, and you'll rob yourself of present victory, present joy, because you're thinking about a past. You know, why, why like you so? I wish the kids were little again, and I wish, man, I wish so and so was around here, and I wish this and that, and all. And you can make an idol out of those things, and it can absolutely rob your life of victory to live in today. Everybody okay? I'm just talking about, I'm just talking about changes in life. He said, I know how to be on the bottom, I know how to be on the top. How do we, how can we deal with the the, the transitions of life without? Changing our love for God. When, when my life goes, when my bank account goes down, I don't want my love for God to go down. Listen, if, if my children break my heart, I don't want my heart to wander away from God. Listen, if I have tragedy in my, my life, listen, I don't want that to get me sideways and bitter at God. I want to be able to transition well. Whatever state I am, I want to be right with God, loving God. 
Let me show you three things that Paul had here. Just real quick. Number one, three things that you'll need if you're going to deal with change in a right way. Number one, you're going to need a peace that'll keep you satisfied. You'll need a peace that'll keep you satisfied. Paul tells us, and this is so easy, I'm not even going to... I'm not even going to preach this real long. It just says, verse number 11, he said, I have learned whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Paul tells us that when he's rejoicing over this financial support, it's not because he needs money to be happy. He's not saying, if you didn't send me money, I wouldn't be happy. That's not what he's saying. Not that I speak in respect of one. It has nothing to do with my lack of funds. It has nothing to do with my lack of money, the reason that I'm rejoicing. He was happy before the money came. He was rejoicing before they sent the support. His rejoicing had nothing to do with his lack of money and that situation being changed. More money or less money could not change the peace that he had on the inside. He said, I have learned to be content. You know what that word content means? It means peace of mind. It means a quietness, a calmness of mind, just content. Isn't that what he talked? We already we talked about peace last week, didn't we? He talked about having that peace. How do you have peace in your life? Rejoice in the Lord and let your moderation be known unto all men. And by everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. Prayer and and uh, and temperance and rejoicing in the Lord. These things bring peace. Listen, Paul had peace and contentment in his heart, not because he had money or didn't have money, not because he was in prison or out of prison, not because his ministry was going well or not going, not because everybody liked him or didn't like him. Paul had peace because he had God. And that was where he had his contentment. His peace of mind was anchored in the Lord. In the Lord. And that's what he ultimately rejoiced in. He followed his own prescription. He wasn't telling people, here's how you can have peace. But then he didn't have peace in his heart. He had it in his own heart. And that peace of mind, it only comes from a divine source. Because it's, it's, it's nothing this world can give you. And I'm not going to preach what I preached last week. The world has a peace, but it's false. The world has a peace they'll give you, but it doesn't last. The world has a peace, but it is fool's gold. It's not real. It is absolutely uh, uh, nothing. It will not last. It will not help you when the storms come. The world's peace dissolves quickly when the doctor's report is bad, when the failure is massive, when the, when the disappointment is great, when the heartbreak is more than you can bear. The world's peace just packs up and goes away, but God's peace stays no matter what. It's always there. Contentment, quietness, calmness. Man, that's spiritual. That's, that's from God. The kind of peace that when you get the worst news in all the world. Listen, one phone call could change your life. Every one of us in here could talk about one phone call changing everything. I can. One phone call. Absolutely just rock your entire world. But I'll tell you what God will do. If you'll rely on Him and lean on Him, He'll put a peace inside of you. See, what really, what really tells a lot about our spirituality is the things that we have to have to be, to be happy, to be Joys, what do you have to have? Some people have to have a certain number in the bank account. Some people have to have a certain amount of things going good. Some people have to have those things. I'll tell you what spiritual people have to have. They just have to have Jesus, that's all. He's enough. He's sufficient for contentment.
to be content. Paul in one other epistle, he's having food and raiment there with be content. You got food to eat, got clothes to wear. Be content with that. See, we draw the line way up here and we think, Lord, if you don't meet X, Y, and Z, then I'm not going to be happy. We hold our joy hostage and, until, and hold it for ransom until God lets us have our way. Until God gives us what we want. And that's no way to live at all, is it? Some people, maybe even in here, you're bitter at God, you're mad at God because He didn't meet some kind of expectations. You thought He took something from you. He put something in your life. You didn't want to be put there. He took something out that you didn't want to be taken away. And now your contentment is gone, your peace is gone, and all that kind of stuff. And can I tell you, that's not the way to live your life. Man, I want to be able to say with Paul, whatever state I find myself, wherever I'm at, God, wherever. How many of y'all believe in the sovereignty of God? I believe in that. I believe God can pick you up and put you wherever he wants to. And you know what our job is and our, our responsibility is and really what's best for our own hearts and minds is just when we get to that place just to say, Lord, you put me here. I'm going to love you. I'm going to trust you. No matter what. He said I had to learn it. You see that? That's what he said in verse number 10. Or verse number 11, I've learned you know what that means? That means it don't come natural, does it? That's not a, listen, that ain't, that's not your fleshly response. You got to learn that. You got to learn it. I'm praying, Lord, help me to learn it. I'm praying to God to help me to anchor my peace to something that doesn't change, something that doesn't ever change. Well, you got to have a peace that will keep you satisfied. What else? You, if you're going to deal with change, well, if you're going to transition well in life, not only do you got to have a peace that will keep you satisfied, but secondly, real quickly, you got to have a patience that will keep you steadfast. you got to have patience that will keep you steadfast. Patience is not just being able to, to wait without getting mad. Patience is endurance. It's being able to stay consistent, steadfast, stay at it, no matter what. And that's in verse number 12. I see that in verse 12 where he says, uh, he says, I know both how to be a base and how to abound. Paul, how do you know both? Well, he's been through both. He's got the experience in his life. He's got the resume to back it up. It's just not all, everything in the showcase. He's got some stuff in the storehouse. He's, he bears in his body the marks. He can show you. He can tell you. He can take you to some places and he can tell you some stories about his own life when he didn't have anything or when he had everything and when he was full and when he was hungry, when he had needs or when he didn't have a need at all. He can take you to all of those things and he says, I know both. That's experience. Now listen, the only way to get experience is you got to go through some things. That's the only way to get patient. You know, that's what Paul said to the, uh, to the Romans there in Romans chapter number 5. He says that we can glory in tribulations. Now, none of us like to glory in tribulations. That means to be happy about problems. But how can we glory in tribulations? What would cause us to glory in tribulations? Knowing this, tribulation works what? Patience. The more problems you have, the more endurance you build up. It's like a muscle, right? If you don't ever break it down, you won't ever build it up. If you don't ever exercise, if, it's, if it never holds any weight, it'll never grow. you got to go through some things to grow your faith. And what does patience work? Patience works 
Experience. And experience hope. Man, this thing is a chain reaction. It all works together. The more you endure, the more experience you have. And the more experience you have, the more hope you have. And so when you go into those tribulations, you can go into them with confident expectations that God is going to take care of me. Why? Because He's done it before. He did it in the past. He took care of me back then, and so I know He will now. Listen, I, don't, I wouldn't sign up for any problems. I wouldn't sign up for any tribulation. I wouldn't sign up for any trouble. But let me tell you something about all the tribulations and trouble I've been through. You know what it does? It, they preach to me when I go through something now. And I look back and say, man, God did it for me back then. Man, God helped me back then. And I know God can help me again. Now, here's the thing. You just can't quit. Because if you quit, you're not going to have the experience. If you quit, you're not going to build up the endurance. And that is one of the greatest, that's one of the greatest pieces of advice I can give you when you are going through change, when you are going through transition, when things are changing all around you. Listen, stay consistent, stay faithful, stay steadfast. Listen, when things are being up in it, that's not the time to quit. That's not the time to walk away. That's not the time to give in and give up. And I've seen it so many times in, a, in our church family and in my my own life, man, it's when things, the pressure is hard and things are changing all around. That's when people are tempted to compromise. And that's when they're tempted to give in. And that's when they're tempted to quit on God. And that's when they're tempted to give it up. But can I tell you, if there's ever a time when you need to stay in there and you need to hang in there, and listen, it takes grace. Yes, it does. But it takes some grit too. Amen. You just got to have some determination in yourself that I am not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep reading my Bible. I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on going to church. I'm going to keep on for God. I'm just going to keep on until things settle down. Why? Because God is doing a work in my heart. You learn some things and then you know some things and then it enables you to be able to go through some things. That's what it says. Here's what, here's what I underline in my Bible. Here, underline this. I underline verse 11, I have learned. And then in verse 12, he said, I know. I think he says it twice. And in verse 13, he says, I can. He said, I've learned. He said, I learned it, and that's why I know it. And I know it, and that's why I can. I learned, I know, I can. you got to learn it, and then you got to know it, and then that will help you be able to do it. Stay faithful in any situation of life. you just got to stay with it. You just can't quit. How do we deal with change? We determine by the grace of God that we are going to stay consistent through every stage of life. And then I see in families, man, as parents, they say, we're going we're gonna to live for God and we're going to do right and we're going to serve God. And then them kids get to be teenagers and they throw out everything they said they were going to do. And the kids get out of the house and they compromise some more. Listen, when things change, you don't. Amen. Stay faithful. Know how to transition well. Listen, your convictions, listen, your love for God, hey, listen, your service for God, it ought to be connected to something a little better than your circumstances. Don't tell me you can serve God when everything's going well. Whoop-de-doo, so can everybody else. Who couldn't serve God? That's what the devil come told God about Job. He said, well, of course he serves you. Look at him. Why wouldn't he serve you? Look at all the stuff you've given. Man, he's got four houses and three yachts and man, all them kids. and He's healthy and he's respected in the community. Look at everything he's got. God said, I'll tell you something I know about Job that you don't. 
he can transition well. He can. And if you don't think Job knew how to transition well, listen, you're too spiritual for all of us. You say, well, I don't know how good Job did. I think he did pretty good myself. <laughs> you talking about going through a change? Job went through a change. And what did he do the very next day? He got down in the ashes of yesterday's sacrifice. And he got down and he said, The Lord giveth and he taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He said, I loved him yesterday and I'm going to love him today. He said, I served him yesterday and I'm going to serve him today. He said, he was faithful and good yesterday and so God is still good today. He never changes. Why was Job able to go through the changes of life? Because he was anchored to someone who never changes. You know what we found out about old Job? We found out he wasn't serving God just because God gave him stuff. He was actually serving God because God is worthy to be served when you're on the mountain and He's worthy to be worshipped when you're in the valley. God is good all the time. It ain't just a slogan. It ain't just a song. It is biblical, scriptural fact. God is good all the time. And you better make up your mind and you're going to have to decide for yourself either He is or He ain't. And if God is only good when He's good to you, you ain't worshiping God. You're worshiping yourself. You need to look in a mirror because there's your God. Amen. But if you're worshiping the God of the Bible, then you'll have to get down on your knees even on your worst day and you'll have to say, God, you are still good. Amen. Always good. And just stay with it. And like a muscle, you'll get endurance. And that, and it just keep going. And you'll be like, Paul, I know both. I can do both. I can do it all. I know it all. I know every circumstance of life. I know it. I know both. He had a patience that kept him steadfast. Let me give you this last one. Not only do you need a peace that'll keep you satisfied and a patience that'll keep you steadfast, but you need a, you need a person that'll keep you strong. And then that verse 13, I can do all things through who? There's your person. And what does he do? He strengtheneth me. That's a person that'll keep you strong. See, here's the thing. You can't do it on your own. You don't have you say, well, I can't. Well, that's probably the best place to start. I can't. That's a great, that's we got to get there. We got to get to that place. Sometimes God lets us exhaust all of our measures and all of our things just so we can get to that place where I can't. And so we'll look up and realize, oh, hey, you can. I can't, but you can. And I can as long as it's through you. This verse is probably one of the most abused verses in the whole Bible. This verse, I mean, I feel sorry for this verse. This verse needs, a, needs some therapy. I mean, man, it's just been abused, hasn't it? I mean, by everybody. I can do all things through a verse that's taken out of context. Amen. That's, that's might, as, might as well what it says. You know, sports stars, you know, they put it on their shoes and everybody. I can do all things. Listen, I don't, uh, now listen, this verse ain't talking about dunking a basketball, all right? This verse ain't talking about... Hitting a baseball, it's not throwing, talking about throwing a football. It's not what it's talking about. What, 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 is he, what is he's all things? He said, I can do what? All things. Well, you got to go back to verse number 12. He said, I know both how to be a base, I know how to abound. Everywhere and in what? 
all things. There's your all things is in verse 12. He's talking about the circumstances of life. See, this, this verse is not saying that you can do whatever you want to do. See, that's, isn't that amazing how man can take a verse that's about God and the power of God and they can turn it around and make it all about them and their own plans and their own will? See, this is not a verse to exalt the will of man. This is a verse to exalt the power of God. It's not to say you can do whatever you want to do. That's humanistic Secular philosophy. Be what you want to be and do what you want to do and you can do it. If you can dream it, you can do it. If you can believe it, you can achieve it. I believe I can dunk a basketball. Listen, I ain't dunking a basketball. No matter how much I believe that. Listen, I believe I can fly. (laughs) Oh, man. Get that out. Listen, you can believe it all day. If you could dream it, you could do it. Yeah, climb up on the roof. We'd love to see it. I believe I can fly. I did. Well, anyway, I'm not going to tell you about that. I tried to jump off the roof one time. But anyway, I don't care how much you believe it. I don't make it so. That's not what that verse is talking about. It's not that you can do what you want to do. This verse is telling us, that you can go through and you can make it and you can not just survive, but you can thrive for the glory and honor of God through whatever circumstance of life God may sovereignly put you in. He said, I can do it. I can do it. You know what Paul was saying? He said, I can do shipwreck through Christ. I can do stone, getting stone, getting stoning. I can do it through Christ. I can, I can, I can do getting run out of town. I can do prison. I can do loneliness. I can do whatever it is, whatever God puts me in. I can do it. Why, Paul? He said, because there is a person on the inside of me that he, man, he is shoveling the coal in the furnace. Man, he is just priming the pump. I mean, he is strengthening me. Listen, and when I'm not strong, I'm glad there's somebody that is in me and he is strong and he's always strong and he's infusing and he's delivering that strength to me and he's strengthening it to me. Listen, you can't all by yourself, but you can through Christ. You can through Christ. There's a God. Every time we say, I can, I can, I can't be faithful, and I can't do that, and I can. Listen, there's a God inside of you that is shouting, Hey, I can! And I'll give you the strength that you need. In fact, anytime we go around saying, I can't, I can't, I tell you, we are really insulting our God, aren't we? Because He can. And we can through Him. Don't leave that out. Through Christ. Through Christ. If you can't do it through Christ, then it don't need to be done. But if, you, if it needs to be done, you can do it through Him. I promise you that. Miss Maddie, I want you to come around to the piano. There's a person that's keeping me strong. You ever look at somebody and say, man, I just don't know how, I don't know how they make it. I don't know how they go through it. Man, they've been through suffering and heartache and troubles and trials. I'll tell you how they're doing it. Man, there's a Christ inside of them. It's keeping them strong. And listen, that's not just for the super spiritual. How many of you saved say amen? amen? You have access to that. You, what's hindering you from, doing, from going through your trial through Christ? What's hindering you right now from, doing, from, from dealing with the disruptions and transitions and changes that may be in your life? What's, what's hindering you from doing it through Christ? Aren't you tired? Listen, aren't you tired of doing it on your own?
Haven't we already seen what, I don't know about you, but I, I've already seen what Chris can do, and it's not very impressive. In fact, it's pretty, it's pretty puny, honestly. Have you already seen, have you, have you already tried enough on your own to see what you can do? Have you thought about maybe giving this thing to the Lord and seeing what you could do through Him? I don't know what you're struggling with this morning or if you're struggling. Oh, maybe, maybe you're just flying high and everything's just, you're acing it all right now. If you are, praise the Lord. Hey, sign my Bible after church, if you don't mind. I already signed my own Bible, but it's right there next to my name. You can put your name. I was feeling good that day. I signed my Bible. Maybe you're just saying, but maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're struggling with something. I don't know. Maybe you're going through some things. So, man, I, I wish things were just like they were. I wish things were. No, that's not the answer. No. God put you in this situation right now for such a time as this because he wants to show you that he can get you through absolutely anything.